Welcome to Tactical Permaculture. I've worked on projects ranging from the poorest to richest clients, from inner cities to suburbs to farmlands to remote wilderness, from the eco-war front lines to celebrity backyards. In over 25 years of service to the earth and the community of life, I've learned that in the fight for sustainable survival, growing is half the battle. Go to tacticalpermaculture.com for more info. You gotta train for me Because I'm training for you We gotta love, love And revolution to do You better train for me You'll be training for you Episode 33, Surviving Heat Madness, Waking Up from a Three-Month Fever Dream, originally published September 17th, 2022. Taking this opportunity to acknowledge the shifting of the seasons and to celebrate what has been um, the longest period of time that I have uh, spent in... um, in retreat from civilization and it's been almost it's been almost exactly three months where the last resupply run of uh, several hundred gallons of water along with capturing every every rain event that I possibly could with as much catchment as I as I as I can which is no pun intended, a drop in the bucket, but I've been optimizing and improving that the strategies for harvesting rainwater. So now I roughly have an idea about with the amount of water storage tankage that that I can top off from the um, access points in the nearest city. That if I can, if I can get those topped off, and then I can supplement and rebalance those tanks from rainwater as as it comes, I know that I have at this point in time essentially about, and that was that was all the peak of the summer. So I was using probably three times more water than I would need to at at minimum three times more than I would need to for myself and to keep plants alive however I scaled back on a lot of plants that just couldn't survive the heat no matter how much water I used and now I will be I will be spending more water to grow more things in a in a milder season but then there'll be less evaporation overall so it'll kind of balance out but (laughs) long story short for me it is an important um it's an important accomplishment to celebrate kind of getting these metrics figured out because when Jeff Lawton says things about doing permaculture in in distressed areas, in distressed climates, um, and just having, knowing his, knowing his toolkit and his, his build out so well of, of establishing food forests in, in any climate basically, that he knows what to what to fill containers with and have them 
have them shipped out, have them, have them dropped by helicopter or crane or whatever it takes to get them to any place in the world. And he would just know based on the budget, based on the climate, based on the time of year and the scope of the project, just how to deploy and build out that system um, at, at any scale. The scalable as well. So for me, having nowhere near the experience level, having some of the same spirituality, having some of the same ambition, but basically for myself, being very much, very junior, very rookie <laughs> compared to who I consider to be the most uh, experienced and, and skilled and talented permaculture designer on the planet. Um, yeah, he's worked with real budgets in seriously distressed places and and made ecological magic uh, come to life. And um, and I think that, uh, yeah, if more people were aware of that potential and aware of the work that he and his, his team and the entire movement has done, <laughs> there would be a lot more people spending a lot more time being proactive within that movement than spending time being not as proactive <laughs> chasing their tails with a lot of politics and a lot of a lot of dead end politics and dead end economics and dead end kind of everything but i'm biased cuz i'm i'm um uh, well i'm 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 bought in because the strategies of permaculture are what are keeping me alive, keeping me financially fit, physically fit, dietarily fit, everything um, that allows me to be this platform that I am, that I, I do love, I feel good about. And uh, without without the permaculture design movement and without the blessings that I've had of the people who have educated me and guided me throughout my journey and really put my my energy and ambition to good use I would probably be in horrible health in total despair and totally broke and filled filled with animosity and anger and blame and I'd be in a dead end but I'm not I'm I'm a living beginning every day is one way to look at it but it's a lot of hard work it's a lot of discipline it's a lot of austerity a lot of sacrifice but a lot of payoff, a lot of beauty, a lot of dignity. And um, yeah, I put myself into a very extreme circumstance. And for me to be able to know that I have what it takes to survive one of the, one of the most extreme, ex record-breaking extreme heat wave after heat wave summers in, 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 human, in recorded human history, um, and in one of the hottest places with the most unrelenting temperatures where the heat waves that were coming in, you know, couple, three waves throughout most of the rest of the world is basically those, those peak temperatures were like the low end of the static average daytime temperature for me for this last entire three months. From mid-June until just a couple of days ago, I was basically in a state of what I'm now going to call heat madness. And... Um, and it took all of my wits and all of my resolve to um, 
to hold it together and there were some near-death experiences and uh and yeah so i'm i'm simultaneously using this this moment this episode to to um raise a glass uh to to myself for for surviving uh and and dialing in this 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 modularity and to know things like i i really want to know how much to budget for how much to plan for to to give myself that much you know certain amounts of time and to know okay this is if i stick with this diet plan if i stick with this dynamic hydration plan if i stick with this electrolyte plan and this um shall we say um uh the uh the medicines and the and the the libations needed to keep the spirits up plan and uh yeah and even the you know how much thread to have to mend my clothes i'm mending my clothes by hand and i don't want to have too much so that i'm so that it slows me down or it 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 it's cutting into other budget line items and i don't want to have too little to where i run out so i'm trying to get closer to that point where where i me as a force of food forestry getting more and more experience in different climates so that that eventually i would be able to say to myself i could dial in that that container manifest um that uh itinerary and that, and and have that plan and know what i'm doing and and know that if i have one shot at getting all of the supplies i need for one project one operation somewhere that i'm not going to it's not going to come up short and it's not going i'm not going to be um having too much of one thing and not enough of another and therefore not effectively economizing space. So another dimension of course is like medical tape, gauze, alcohol and uh turmeric powder. That's pretty much been the um my yeah, tweezers, uh sewing needle things basic having the most minimalistic first aid items to help to manage you know most of the the small um punctures and and abrasions and scrapes and what not keeping infections um precluding infections by doing that proper immediate wound care and what not and uh, just being careful so yeah it's it's an interesting metric to 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 know that like yeah there's probably opportunities i'll have in the future where it's not going to necessarily require a helicopter or or bulldozers or anything to 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 move uh, in the most uh, austere settings but but i do like the idea of being able to say well if i got uh if i got a, a utility trailer and loaded that up with with this these the exact same sort of number of gallons of tankage that i have and the same number of 25 to 50 pound boxes of or uh, bags and boxes of nuts and seeds and raisins and spices and whatnot that i could i could square myself away and relocate myself and replicate what i've achieved here 
and do that with within a utility trailer and scale that out and and ideally scale it out to where it's <laughs> where I know what my needs are to survive and be comfortable and have my cacao and green tea stevia ceremonies a couple times a day and batteries and whatnot but but scale out really in in the boxed trees and the bulk seeds and the mulch and the compost and the coconut core and and really the the infrastructure the hardscaping and softscaping infrastructure that is what I get most excited about but I had to learn and dial in at this very very constrained time budgetarily in this economy um, so this was this was a uh, one of those times where yeah about this time last year I had the opposite problem I have too much money and I don't know what I don't and I got to figure out what to do with it before it all goes poof in the markets in in a bear market you know when the when the wave crashes what will I have to show for it um and so that was my problem of organizing and 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 planning what to actually convert from crypto gains into regenerative infrastructure and and I made what I have learned there were it was um it was a lot of projecting with math and numbers and and a lot of guesswork but it all really proved out well and and yeah as far as my needs and my being supplied for me to do the work that I want to do I know what that takes to do it and it's not very much and and I'll, all I want to do from this point forward is scale out with with the plant stock and the the pondage and being able to do all of the ecosystem building right and scale that out here and beyond and uh yeah if i'm i would be thrilled to continue this pattern which is about right as far as just maintaining certain errands and engagements i have to maintain with the outside world if i can only experience and interface with with the outside world four times a year at most and have that go less and less the more water I can capture and the more food I can grow to where it becomes zero times a year that to me is going to be the ultimate celebration the ultimate feralization um, end game and I would only leave here at that point if I was called upon by some higher purpose to go and Re- replicate this magical oasis that I that I'm starting to build here and uh and it just gets more beautiful magical every day and to be able to now shift I'll now shift to this expressing my feelings about what it is like to come out from those extreme conditions of uh of temperature of 3 months straight night and day only only a few days and nights only a few days that were 
overcast after a rain to where the temperature would be low enough to where it wasn't just horribly nasty and uncomfortable and 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 torture there were a few days within that three months and there were a very few number of nights where i was able to sleep without waking up every hour and having to spray myself down with water and just feeling like my face was on fire and suffering and and not getting deep REM sleep and not not really cleaning out the the detritus of uh of of metabolic um waste products from 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 the daily life cycle and just not sleeping properly in order to that's where i think a lot of the <laughs> the madness really is rooted in i know sleep deprivation is the quickest way to lose your mind. I know that from a lot of experience with a lot of darker times in my past. Um, but yeah, I don't, um, I don't like it. Uh, I've survived it in the past. And while I'm not doing things that would keep me awake because I'm trying to sleep, the temperature itself is is almost impossible to sleep through, or certainly to stay uh, to to enter into the to the deeper. Um, REM state of sleep so it's torturous it's been torturous and the only salvation is knowing that it can't last forever and if the if the peaks of 120 degrees Fahrenheit I'm checking the thermometer you know throughout the days every day and and that was about yeah it almost almost went off the scale a few times and mostly stayed around 110 to 115 for most of the days at the peak heat of most of the days for the last three months. And it just barely, after this last cruel heat wave, it finally broke and then boom, it felt like the, it felt like the seasons had changed and now it's averaging about 10 degrees cooler so I'm finally able to sleep through the night I'm finally able to dream again um, more more satisfactorily and uh, and and just the sense of not being in chronic agonizing discomfort with the heat and having doing everything I can to just maintain non-lethal core body temperature but still struggling psychologically and, and, and physically feeling I mean just debilitated and and being afraid to for for mortally afraid to go outside and lose balance or lose consciousness or be or have the heat actually cause me to lose balance and consciousness let alone tripping over things or normal accidents that happen so it's it's like every form of of being limited to to being bedridden and having to just contort myself so that I'm not I'm not making the the heat rashes worse than they already are by allowing my skin to to overlap on itself so keeping armpits open and legs spread and one leg elevated and I'm just like rotating from side to side and trying to prevent bed sores and yeah it's 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 grim but then I realize I'm highly privileged to be able to do this self-care because a lot of people are out there working in these temperatures and and dropping dead and they don't have the luxury to to use their survival skills and get in the shade and 
hydrate heavily and and supplement electrolytes and manage their skin rashes and uh, avoid any kind of chafing and avoid any hazards and just lay low. A lot of people did not have that luxury and that's a luxury that I... It's a humble luxury, but it is a luxury that comes with knowing how to survive in the wilderness, doing permaculture, growing food, storing food properly, <laughs> providing your own security, you know, and setting up a situation where, where, where I'm able to basically function like I'm a ship at sea of one, where I, I'm able to, able to, um, get by in total isolation under extreme under extreme conditions and uh and and maintain morale amidst maddening um circumstances and it's uh it's a real trip it's a real trip now that sort of first the first day the first day or two of like i just can't believe that my mind works again <laughs> that I didn't that and I'm hoping I I'm hoping it hasn't changed in ways that I wouldn't wouldn't be able to even know anymore I mean how do you know how would you know if you had long covid um long covid induced early onset alzheimer's symptoms because if you lose 10 IQ points and you can't remember what you were doing, <laughs> how, how would you remember what life was like before? People would have to tell you, or you'd have to watch videos of yourself being articulate and remembering things. I don't know how you know, or if you know, I don't know if you get to know if you come back from an ordeal anywhere near the same. And I would say for me, <laughs> I've been doing some very extremely intense um computer programming work at least for me i mean not in the grand scheme of things compared to the geniuses in the world who who have been doing it their whole lives but for me i have been putting myself through rigorous crash courses to get up to speed on on crypto um uh cryptocurrency development and um and i'm just starting at the at the at the very remedial level of 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 the most basic building blocks of um of computer science and uh you know i built websites and everything but it was always being a site administrator using graphical user interfaces and copying and pasting code i wasn't really ever writing much much beyond uh basic html now i'm understanding how to think like software and think like hardware and and actually learn that computer science and understand that the fundamentals of computer science are what inform the different styles of programming languages that each have very it's almost like dialects that you would notice if you see another language and words written you're like oh well that's obvious <laughs> i wouldn't have known it if I heard them just saying it because they have such a, a dialect saying it, but if I see it in writing, I see it's the same word exactly to the to the letter of the word that I use with maybe one or two letters missing or added. 
So now I now I really get to understand the logic behind a lot of languages. And so yeah, if I can for my litmus test is that if I can write code that works and build apps that work as I have and I it's been grueling to do it with very limited uh limited bandwidth internally but if, but given that deprivation it's almost like the people who go and train at high altitudes so that when they come down to normal alt- or lower altitudes they'll be that much more conditioned cardiovascular conditioning so <laughs> to me I look at it that way I don't know if I've if I'm now permanently deranged you know I know that like I know I I think I know now how I would define insanity and it, it really is or 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 madness it's like compounding frustration is what leads to the people you see on skid row screaming profanities and throwing things all around and basically throwing an adult language tantrum for the majority of the rest of their painful adult life and it becomes this this downward spiral of compounding frustration it's like a bad day where one thing you wake up on the wrong side of the bed and then you stub your toe and then you hit your head and then you slip and fall and then you're in a traffic jam and a fender bender like that's a bad day but imagine if that just keeps stacking up and stacking up and i really feel like what happens is um in in conditions of deprivation or extreme extreme um stressful conditions that now you're in this constant stream where the frustration is just ambient and everything there is no escape from it so every task is arduous and frustrating and taxing and and so yeah they just get you just degrade and devolve down into into grunts you know and 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 i and i would have to say it, 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 i i sound like an old crotchety old grunting achy man that's how i've sounded for 3 months everything is just like this extra effort to stand up to um <laughs> to put clothes on and and take them off uh, to to just deal with all of the stickiness and 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 so you know I, I don't mean to bellyache and lament but I do want to say that um this pushed me to the edge a lot more than last year and I, I and I keep telling myself man I really hope that that I that I wasn't weaker and softer and whinier over the heat of this summer than I was in the same place surviving last summer I hope that the I hope that the only I hope that the the, the factor isn't just that last summer was a bear a bull market and this summer is a bear market and so everything is more painful and frustrating because it's a bear market i i would like to think that is only a minimal minimal factor and that the major factor is that the temperatures actually are hotter and that at this extreme of temperatures even even one or two more degrees definitely on the celsius scale and not quite so much but but not not without significance at all on the fahrenheit scale 
But I really, I, I do feel like also there is the fear that like if I keep exposing myself to these extremes, I've heard, I've heard, I've read debating maybe pseudoscientific um, commentary about how exposure to extreme high temperatures makes you more resilient against them in the future and then conversely people saying the opposite saying exposure to extreme temperatures are going to make you um, averse to them and basically function poorly and you kind of lose like a battery that gets charged too often and starts losing its potential to charge up um, at least that was the old batteries now I think they're supposed to be a little smarter uh, supposed to be at least but but yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I know that this summer was hell. And um, and because I did not want to... I did not want to liquidate any more crypto assets than I had to after after making wise moves last year during the bull, the bull market, even up through the first quarter and a half ish of this year um, but once that bear market hit I'm like okay I'm gonna survive with what I have and I don't care what I have to go through I'm going to I'm gonna I'm going to just monitor the my core temperature and make sure that um, that I'm staying alive but I, I will I will stick it out until the heat breaks rather than do anything that would force me to liquidate assets during during the yeah a low point in the market and so um that's extreme hodler of last resort all uh trace mayor who was one of my early internet bitcoin mentors and who i i know unfortunately lost some respect amongst the crypto community for whatever reason i don't know whatever happened with that drama and i wish that he would still be producing content because he was one of the people who really hardened me with being a what he called a hodler of last resort and he framed the psychology of crypto investing more powerfully than anybody else ever by stating that what it is once you get into these markets and you understand how it works is that you get into a war with your future self and your your present self is going to be in a constant war with your future self over who gets to benefit the most from the amount of discipline and the amount of resourcefulness that you and your present self can have in order to make it to that that um, that destiny that you believe in, that is your future self, saying, figure out how to be resourceful now, because if the trend continues as it has up and to the right, despite healthy, necessary, not always predictable, that how and when they're going to happen but that they will happen that war with the future self and um i mean i don't i don't get up every day and say i'm at war with my future self and i'm going to win this battle today 
but I don't have to because it just is what it is. That just is what it is. And it wasn't Trace Mayer, but it was somebody else who said something to me that was like the most, the like fortune cookie gem of wisdom that that is the quintessence of like a, um, almost like a magical sigil, like something that you can compress all of this emotion and all of this the technical analysis the 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 quant trading the value investing all the investopedia vocabulary terms that i've learned and all the countless hours of podcasts and videos and conferences like all this fintech lingo that i never knew before that i've got into over the last five years it all boils down to one fortune cookie to keep you in that fight for and for your future self against your present self <laughs> and it is this one line and I don't I, I don't know who first said it but but it stuck with me more than anything else and it was just this what what's the definite definition of bitcoin bitcoin is hard to hold on to and of course I'm sort of evolved within and beyond transcending Bitcoin into new and different blockchains. What I like to share the notion that I'm, 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 I'm mostly invested in, in generation three blockchain technology, Cardano, uh, namely, and uh, for, for lots of reasons. And it's done well for me. And now I'm building technology in the Cardano ecosystem. And I'm very proud of myself for that. And my current my my current self is has a peace treaty with my future self because my current self is living frugally and in balance with the 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 prerogative of the future self to um to really understand that i have to sacrifice now sacrifice now and um and be rewarded for that sacrifice later um and also be a part of building the value in the ecosystem of the digital asset that I hold the most of. So I'm proactive in that way. But going back to that notion from that little little qualification there, but that idea that Bitcoin is hard to hold on to. So really that could be anything that is valuable in, in life. Um, but let's just say cryptocurrency is hard to hold on to. To broaden it from Bitcoin, um, because I do believe, and I hope you don't hate me for saying this, if you were a Bitcoin maximalist, but I do believe, um, I do believe Bitcoin is almost a um, well. Every day that goes by now after the eth- successful Ethereum merge between the already existing well-functioning still unhacked (laughs) proof-of-stake blockchains now in addition to all of that history of success compared to Bitcoin the success of the proof-of-stake networks that are already running with Ethereum now fresh into its successful transition to proof of stake from proof of work 
from this point on every day forward without a ca catastrophic collapse of one or more significant players in the proof of stake world bitcoin becomes more obsolete every day and more egregious and i've said this before and i will continue to say it i love bitcoin i love ethereum more i love ethereum i love cardano more and my portfolio reflects the, the those sentiments and if someone asked me about bitcoin now i would say to them yeah once upon a time there was this thing called leaded gasoline and now there's this thing called unleaded gasoline. And if you live at least in the United States, you might wonder why it is that still unleaded gasoline is this qualifier that's added to gasoline, even though there hasn't even been leaded gasoline for since, since however long it's been since it was banned. I watched a documentary about I think it was called the, 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 the deadliest man that ever lived or something like that. And it was about the scientist who figured out that the way or a way to solve the problem of engine knocking back in the day was to add add lead to uh, to the fuel, the, the, the powered vehicles. And um, and that was a thing. But what it did is it kicked up all of this fine particle uh lead material into the atmosphere into the soil i don't it got into everybody got it got everywhere and we have a toxic lethal carcinogenic and worse legacy of that era until people wised up and they stopped that practice but you still see the the the, the written legacy of that on gas pumps all throughout at least the united states if not beyond where we still are reminded that there was a time once upon a time when there was such a thing as leaded gasoline but you will never have interacted with it because it was made obsolete by a, 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 a greener less polluting less toxic less dangerous yet still effective solution to the problem that needed to be solved Okay, so that is now how I describe the investment, crypto investment strategy of looking at Bitcoin versus looking at proof of stake, um, uh, the whole proof of stake side of the industry now. And I'm very proud of Ethereum and I've talked very little negative about them publicly, maybe privately I've shared some, some extra gripes, but most importantly for me as a hardcore ecological activist who had to really question how much hypocrisy I was willing to stomach as a Bitcoiner and I was able to articulate how Bitcoin is helping to take marginal energy that would have otherwise gone to waste and put it to good use and how it's actually incentivizing cleaning up industries like fossil fuel operations that need to uh, flare off uh, the, the byproducts and that you can actually run crypto bitcoin miners but to more and more the further we get away from the hegemony of bitcoin of blocks produced in cryptocurrency across blockchains, the more egregious and foul and 
And the, the more I want to grab Satoshi and shake him by the collar and be like, no, don't release this monstrosity into that game theory of greed that you know so well and that you're so dead on and genius and right about because the hash rate will go up, the ASIC mining cartels will try to vie for power and they will get so dug in it will become a religion and they will become perversely incentivized to hostily attack the cheaper, faster, better, greener solutions that are going to evolve because software evolves and computer science and solutions to problems evolve just like unleaded gasoline evolved. So if you were sitting today, sitting on a, on a thesis of investment and on a moral ground promoting leaded gasoline because you were an early investor in it and you don't want your your bags of that asset those shares to be hurt then you become as corrupt and as 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 toxic and lethal and as much of an enemy of the earth an enemy of the people as all of the barons of the industrial age that put profits before people shot down striking union workers, dumped strip mining poisons and killed rivers. I'm at that point where if you're a Bitcoin maximalist, I still love you because it's my spiritual practice to love everyone. But I will not continue to um, to tolerate ignorance of what now has kills that excuse of well this is the best we can do this is the best alternative to dirty fiat and and money printer go burr and all the all those memes about the fed and it's like no the highest officials of the US government put out a paper the first of many to come where I believe Cardano was mentioned something like seven times. I haven't read it myself, but I listened to Charles Hoskinson review it. And the writing is on the wall. It's no, it's no joke. People are waking up. Lines are being drawn and people are making clear, moral, ecological, economic distinctions between proof of work and proof of stake. And it's about to be encoded in law. And I didn't call upon... I didn't invoke the power of the men with guns and the monopoly on force. I don't voluntarily call upon the power of the state for anything. I try to live beyond it and outside of it as much as possible. But the fact is, they're catching up to it. And as much as we might think that the the, the, the old... The old boys club fuddy-duddies, you know, who who can barely form sentences and understand what's going on. I don't need to be ageist and go there with those geriatric jokes. I will say there are intelligent people of all ages who are in offices who it doesn't take that much savviness or technical expertise within computer science or cryptography to understand okay this is you know what they're trying to do 
And there was a prototype called Bitcoin. Ethereum grew out of that because Bitcoin was too rigid and too fundamentalist and too extremist onto itself as a community of developers and, and, and investors perversely incentivized not to adapt and evolve and to be agile and to, and to evolve at the rate of any other technology of the internet. <laughs> you don't get to like, I mean, all respect to um, one of my most cherished Bitcoin mentors, Andreas Antonopoulos, who to me is still and will always be one of the most revered people and certainly like I, I have to I pay the respect you know it's part of the evolution but anybody who real I think anybody who really loves the Bitcoin white paper and loved it when Bitcoin was worth less than a penny if they read the Bitcoin white paper and then they read the Ethereum white paper and then they read the Cardano white paper and they weren't deranged by being ba of the bag holder effect <laughs> and they weren't incentivized to sabotage the evolution they would have read those white papers back to back and they would have understood it and when Andreas Antonopoulos said he cried when he read the code of the Bitcoin software because to him it was like reading a symphony I mean I may be paraphrasing that but I mean I understand that like now I can read code at least well enough to understand like some of the brilliance that never would have um, computed for me before I learned a little bit of it but when he says something like that he was able to appreciate and actually has done a lot of work in service of Ethereum as well so you know, he wasn't a toxic maximalist and still isn't. Now, I'm not saying that it's investment advice to go and trade all your Bitcoin and trade all your Ethereum for Cardano. Now, I feel like I'm a lot more... Um, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with Ethereum now. Um, it's a rekindling of a romance. However, I still can't use it because I'm not bourgeois enough and I'm not enough of a insider within the within that club to be able to spend those high gas fees and to um and to be a part of that crowd so i i i think what what happened was that um was that ethereum got gentrified and cardano is the is the is the blockchain of the people for now until until you know who knows if it's able to sustain that but for now I'm building on Cardano. I'm not the only one. You know, Bitcoin broke my heart. Ethereum broke my heart. The romance is with Cardano now. And um, and it's been the, the investment of a lifetime for me personally. And I don't give any investment advice. But I will say, I think this stuff through. And I have... I'm in I'm incorruptible or uncorruptible. You can't buy me off and you can't bribe me because I will not be able to sleep at night. I will be more tortured by holding bags of unleaded gasoline, Bitcoin proof of work, ASIC, fill the landfill with all kinds of e-waste. No. I will be more tortured by that 
karma than I would be by the son that just tortured me. And I suffered that torturing this last three months because I'm at war with my future self and I want to I want to make it to that point in the future where I look back on on how deeply dug into my position into this survival camp in order to protect my Cardano bags from all all the calamities going on in the outside world and all the risks medical emergencies that could bankrupt me all kinds of trouble I could be getting into liabilities um, getting COVID 50 million times losing the ability to remember my <laughs> how I've stored my private keys because I've got 10 IQ points dropped and I can't stand up or go move anywhere because of long COVID. I just participated in a three-hour long COVID symposium presented by the World Health Network, which my favorite epidemiologist, Eric Feigelding, is a member of, and that's how I heard about it. And like I said, in that war with the future self, I tell myself, man, you got to do whatever it takes to maintain a positive mental attitude and a mindset that you have got to lay low right now and you have got to dig in to this position and don't move and get what you need, round it up before the heat really comes on and then fucking lay low. And not just not just wait until the market bounces back. Yeah, that's part of it, but it's more about wait until <laughs> wait until the Ethereum merge is successful. Wait until the Cardano Vasil hard fork is successful. That's been a real um a real uh edge of the seat kind of kind of situation and uh unless you know what that's all about i won't go into it but uh but yeah it's been um not a guaranteed smooth ride and just like going back to that that important adage which means so much bitcoin is hard is hard to hold on to crypto is hard to hold on to when i first heard the word hodl i thought it meant Oh, hold on for dear life. That's got to be what it means. In fact, that's not what it means. It was somebody drunk on a keyboard one night trying to spell the word, the word hold, and it was a typo, and it caught on as this endearing meme about what you should do to not have <laughs> lettuce hands, to basically not have weak hands, and sell at a loss, to buy low, sell high, and don't be fooled and tricked by stampedes of panic and do the opposite, which is what most people do, which is buy high and sell low because of emotional weakness and because of herd mentality. And yeah, it's been hard. It's been hard. But to me, it's not about like panicking because of what this, the herd is doing. That's not what it is for me. For me, it's like, oh, fuck, I could be like one of those people who has some sort of catastrophic emergency that forces them to liquidate all of their crypto assets and at a low point in the market of all things. So for me, if I'm going to risk anything that could possibly be catastrophic, I'm going to wait until all-time highs, and then I'm going to go take 
whatever calculated risks I have to, and then I'm gonna get right back in a position and hopefully be able to go for six months next time and ride things out. And for me, it's not really a sacrifice because this is the hermitage stage of my life. I've got so much reading to do. I've got so much skill development to do. I've got so much spiritual work to do and shadow work to do and digital shadow work, and I'm doing it all. I got solar power, I'm off grid, I'm catching rainwater, I've got food storage dialed in, I'm learning to live with being eaten alive by the by the ants at times and uh, learning how to get to higher ground and 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 have have all ways to adapt to to those situations. So yeah, I'm fired up. I'm fired up to have made it through that extreme compression <laughs> where like yeah, it's. I mean, I, I feel like they're, I mean, one of my favorite special forces community, former Green Beret, call it internet mentors, <laughs> has an idea for like a, a really replicating almost like a ranger school f- to be a sort of crucible for, for dating, um, potential dating partners where it's just like, the people who are squared away, whether it's ex-military or wilderness survival, bush hippies, or the people who are who are living a rugged life that that's lonely, that want to date still, but they don't want to date um, princesses who are gonna break a nail and and cry and <laughs> and lose their minds. And I'm not trying to be sexist here. Um, I, I did a project called Survival Women where I, I featured women who are rugged and who do get out in the wilderness and do get their hands dirty. And that was the whole point. So I was, to, to his point, trying to romanticize and elevate and, and create like profiles, literally making profiles for women who, who are, whether they're ex-military or not, they're squared away when it comes to wilderness survival and having their shit together when it comes to being a badass outdoors and survival. And, uh, and you know, the idea, I mean, he, he said pretty funny words that I don't, I wouldn't say this myself because I, you know, I, I have too many, um, uh, well, I, I don't want to make any comparison between the two of us as far as, you know, how we, how we talk or don't. Well, he said, he said some of my favorite, see, he's one of those people who will say things I wish I could say, but I know I wouldn't get away with it, but I'm glad that he says it because it's cathartic for me to hear somebody say it. So one, I won't say the most satisfying thing he said now, I won't say it. Maybe someday in the future, someday. But I'll say the second most satisfying thing that he said that I couldn't say, but I can say it because I'm quoting him, is he said something to the effect of, uh, yeah, I would like to make some sort of TV program or documentary or movie or film, something. Do, document the process of like training up a suitor who's a woman who comes from the uh the sort of um what would be the the civilian world i guess it, you know is one one dimension of it but 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 more broadly speaking just comes from the um 
this we'll just say city slicker that's probably the best term actually like take and i'm, I'm still i'm still paraphrasing a bit but because i don't remember exactly this part of what he said but the part i do remember exactly what he said is he's like I, I, my paraphrasing part is that he wanted to create a program that would show essentially a, 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 a I mean, I mean, you could call it. I mean, I'll just make up a funny name like "Who wants to date Rambo?" But you gotta track him down first if you want to have that date with Rambo. You're gonna have to go track him down. So, so if that's the idea, and I'm obviously riffing off of him, but it's like literally dropping them out of a helicopter in the middle of nowhere with a fucking rucksack, making them survive on their own and do land navigation and purify their own water and trap and kill their own food. All of that less stroud type survival stuff with like a tactical edge on it and a, and a, a mill spec kind of edge on it and then have that person then be like qualified to be to be in consideration to be selected as a suitor to date one of these like squared away guys or whatever and i'm sure it could i'm sure he would love to do that going both directions or all directions right but the funny thing that he said that i do remember verbatim is like i'll never forget this and it's my favorite thing that he said that i don't get to say because of the the sort of um the cancellation guillotine over my head from you know my affiliations and whatnot but he said it's inner because because he said because it's entertaining to watch people crumble <laughs> and i fucking love that because i'm like oh my god there's so many people who i would love to situate right next to me where they had the same budget and the same time frame and the same access to information about the state of the world and literally like okay the plot of land right next to mine the reality tv show is you buy the pot plot of land right next to mine and you fucking show me how you're gonna fucking dance circles around this this um survival experiment and uh or not and we'll see who crumbles first and there are people who I think are, who I think think that they are really hard, who I think that if they endure what I what I've been enduring, and certainly what I just endured over the last three months, <laughs> that they would crumble, uh, and and it would be entertaining for me to watch that, and entertaining for me to film that, but only in a very redemptive and transformative way where it was about them, you know, really soul building and skill building and whatnot. But, um, you know, that's that's part of the hazing that a lot of these kind of tribes of people do. I mean, that's like the walkabout, you know what I mean? You've got to go through a crucible. you got to have a rite of passage. you got to learn what you're made of. And you have to face your demons. And you have to face nature. And you have to face extreme conditions and survive. To have confidence, to speak with confidence, to teach, and to just grow and to feel alive and to be alive. So... Yeah, for the people who are just seeking more and more comfort and more and more bubble wrap to live in, you will crumble when you were you exposed to any amount of of, um, of of adversity, and it's scary because I think most people my age now who have kids realize that this generation is so soft and so catered to and so bubble wrapped emotionally. 
and 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 with um with with AC and everything is just so pampered that that it's not going to be it probably won't be entertaining it'll probably be tragic and heartbreaking in fact i i remember reading a news story recently about some this like squad of i don't know church group sports team or some 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 group of young women went to go on a on a hike and 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 it ended up being an evac medevac emergency because of how poorly they underestimated the deadly temperatures and the lack of means to protect themselves and like so this sort of i don't want to impugn them i don't even know the details of it i may have gotten it somewhat wrong but i do know that there was a lot of circumstances where people thought it was like business as usual they went out to do business as usual and they got their asses handed to them by this climate emergency and 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 in the midst of that people are still in denial and they think that it's a government solution it's got to be uh, some sort of compromise between government and industry and can't we just get to electric vehicles fast enough no that's not i mean <laughs> that's a whole another can of worms but the reality is we're going to have to have redundancy and backup plans because if the temperatures continue to rise despite whatever we do now if the runaway temperature extremes continue season after season year after year despite our best efforts to go ev all the way or whatever by 20 whatever <laughs> temperatures keep going up grids keep collapsing fires keep burning we are going to be forced to dig ourselves survival bunkers underground not because we're doomsday preppers because people will continue to drop dead on the surface of this planet period so yeah if i if i were elon musk i would be investing in elegant radon mitigating underground spherical stainless steel six feet of minimum of um of 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 earth above the top of the module underground and exploring subterranean um affordable economy homes and 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 luxury homes and beyond that we're going in like the matrix type of direction of having to live under the surface of the planet because of the toxins in the atmosphere because of the temperature of the atmosphere and i am on the bleeding edge of that reality and i put myself almost i believe i did what i did is i put myself into the future call me crazy fine i mean call it a a a sci-fi mystique i'm in the blazing wasteland where the only way to survive from this point forward is to is to build elegant affordable strategies for going underground and um 
like all the other animals, like the beautiful desert squirrel that just come, comes and came, came back into hanging out on the surface just recently. And what did it do the first time I started seeing it? It's, it's showing me how it digs its hole and goes underground. I see it go in one place and pop out the other. They got that network underground so dialed in, it's absurd. And I'm sitting here scratching my head going, how many tens of thousands of dollars is it going to take for me to do even the most modest tomb underground of like, yeah, the size, the size of an Airstream. I would love to be able to get like an old submarine and bury it underground. To me, that would be the coolest thing in the world. Even a tiny one, but but this idea of like, that's, I can't tell you how many hours I spent thinking about how necessary that's going to be. And, and not just for storms, but I mean like, yeah, there's, I mean a lot of people, the first thing they go think, they, they think about is like surviving nuclear, nuclear winter. And now, of all times, I got to imagine the bunker business is, bo- is booming but I think it's going to go beyond that. I think it's going to go beyond... It didn't stick after, you know, the Cold War. It didn't stick. But I think now the need to retreat from all the different compounding climate and air quality and... uh fire and all kinds of disasters happening on the surface even riots you know (laughs) it's gonna it's gonna continue to make more and more sense to actually design and as a permaculture designer that yeah i wish i had more tools available to me and i wish it didn't cost so much money to even have the most basic underground setup um but I know it's going that direction, and I know that surviving this three months of heat madness, I know that this has got to be the last time. Because it, last summer, I feel like looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, it doesn't... I don't remember... I mean, I remember it being rough. I remember it being, like, exhausting and rough and just, like, something that, that, that I never experienced before. Um, but... I knew it wouldn't last forever, but this time it literally felt like, I don't know, 10 times worse to the point of it just being like, this just feels like t- torture. And I feel like the, the getting close to that, the, those, the points of not snapping so much, but just being like, everything is compounding frustration. And, uh, you know, I dance, I have my spiritual practices, you know, I, 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 I don't blame anybody but myself. I take responsibility. Like I don't, I don't displace aggression onto um, onto anyone or anything else beyond taking full responsibility for myself and um, and just trying to push forward and, and survive. And I know that's that's you know if I'm gonna throw around words like the warrior mindset, that's what they do to weed out the weak in selections for all types of. Um, all types of uh yeah elite service work so for me to you know in my own mind i'm like well i'm an anarchist 
I will never voluntarily choose to go be in a chain of command where people are going to get in my face and yell at me and issue me direct orders. That's not going to be me in this lifetime. It's going to not work for them. It's going to not work for me. But does that mean I'm going to be soft? Does that mean I'm going to be weak? Does that mean I'm going to have no discipline and not be squared away and just be just be living in a in a in a um an infinite realm of 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 slack? <laughs> no. I'm going to take the responsibility of being my own drill sergeant, my own commanding officer and pushing myself through my own training courses and my own crucibles for 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 better or worse that is the contract with myself to say you know i'm not going to be a soldier working for an empire i'm going to be a warrior fighting the battles that i choose with a chain of command that is one link and that one link is me <laughs> and the spiritual uh forces that I commune with that I that I will take orders from and that I will listen to as do, and take the divine the divine um, insights uh, ask for the divine insights and guidance from um, I would really hope to never have to fall in to a chain of command where I'm being having orders barked at me because it will probably not work out well for for anyone involved and I know that about myself and so I excuse myself and I do me out here the way I'm doing it um but I I think I I I definitely earned a few merit badges this summer and uh most importantly whatever has whatever may have shit whatever may have shifted like I got two arms and two legs I can still go into beast mode and do extreme physical training and physical operations and i haven't i've if anything i feel like i've pushed my the envelope further and i have more capacity not less but i definitely feel like i feel like the way arnold schwarzenegger looked at the end of the movie predator when his head was tilted back getting a ride out in that in the choppa and he looks tore up and that's how I feel I don't look I'm not bloodied to that extent uh, but I do feel that like I have been that that brutalized by this last three months Um, but I'm just yeah coming out of it rejoicing fucking being so glad that I have my faculties that I have my crypto bags and I have my my wherewithal and my my physical functionality and i'm not suffering with long covid and i'm not about to go and take 10 more variants on the chin and risk iq points risk impotency risk debilitating chronic illness and derangement and not and not be able to come back from it and that's just me doing me and you can do you i've got no medical advice no investment advice no climatological advice um but yeah it's entertaining to watch people crumble well i don't know if it would have been entertaining to watch me not crumble 
but I hope it's entertaining to hear me talk about being on that edge of crumbling and not crumbling and pulling through and making it and I for damn sure hope there are some rugged ass squared away mountain gorilla rebels somewhere in the Amazon who would still laugh at me for getting winded and falling down the mountains that they climb up and down every day and their little militias but that they might at least find me charming enough to rock my world someday and that is the league of warrior that I want to be that that's the caliber of warrior that I want to be in league with and and if I could date one of them after them putting me through 3 months of their boot camp in their austere conditions I would I would I would like to think that I have uh, I have moved one one little step closer to being able to endure even harsher conditions having survived these harsh conditions and uh you know I'm still got a lot of I've still got a lot of training wheels on here because I'm not spear fishing I'm not bow hunting I'm not collecting dew I'm not doing even anything on the on the scale of, of Les Stroud because I'm doing what Cody Lundin would call you're not doing desert survival you're just camping you know what I mean so I'm desert survival camping I'm doing permaculture survival which is hey there's not there's no there's no water well I'm gonna build ponds and capture rainwater and then there'll be water and I'll be able to forage and hunt and gather and do the full-on Rambo bush hippie thing in my own designer ecosystem in a very in a very short number of years and that's all going to depend on how much I can scale in and bring in more infrastructure from from the uh the cycles of the markets that's what's going to determine that for now <laughs> I've been living mostly off of um water spinach Kang Kong water spinach um and uh and sweet potato greens and and dried herbs that that uh, that were dried during the last uh, mild season during the spring but the summer crops that survived that I've had that were that that the were, and I've got lots of seeds and lots of different plants that a lot of them you know um died off some of them will come back on their own some of them I need to replant but the real desert survivors that that were able to keep me on fresh greens the whole summer um were the sweet potatoes and the king kong and I was able to harvest cyclically and live off the vat of, of fermentation and um and I feel like a million bucks and and I'm shocked I'm I'm surprised <laughs> I'm surprised that uh that this summer did not fucking kill me or drive me completely off the edge psychologically but I have not crumbled and I still stand tall and uh <laughs> the rest of this year I've never looked forward to cold temperatures more than I have I mean there'll be some mild weeks before it starts getting 
bitterly cold again, but I can bundle up and I will, I will sleep great. And when I need to warm up, I can actually do projects again and work and, and actually do reasonable amounts of, of, of work out in the landscape, which I have not been able to do, which the deprivation of being able to do what you love, that is a huge factor in that madness quotient because what keeps me sane is working the land, you know? And if I can't work the land because it's lethal to do that, I could do a little bit of work in the, in the you know, between like 4 and 6 a.m. And then it's like run for cover and be laid up all fucking day and night until until the next the next cycle of it being four in the morning. But yeah, I caught up on a lot of stuff. I learned a lot of stuff. I was very productive despite all that. And it didn't kill me and it made me stronger. And I hope that that you can say to yourself, wherever you are, whoever you are, that the world is getting more dangerous, more toxic on all levels and every day that goes by that doesn't kill you you do get stronger and i hope you were able to apply that strength to protecting what you love and who you love and i hope you love the earth and i hope you love everyone so with all that said cheers Oh,